Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy. We've got a festivals page and our FPIA page where you can see the history of the contest. You can keep up with us on Instagram at Comedy Wham and TikTok or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to somebody who got her start in comedy in Boston. She's been on Kill Tony, and her episode her episode is 512, which is ironic, because that's the Austin uh, <laughs> zip code, or not zip code, area code. And that uh, her opening, well, actually, she, both of her jokes were absolutely killer. Um, she is a the Austin Roast Battle Champion, and you wouldn't even know it by how... <laughs> kind and just demure she is and uh, I have to say because I have a, a teenager one of my favorite roasts uh, from the, the championship was the one about how your opponent um, was like a Lego except not like a Lego because you could step all over him oh, yeah. so <laughs> I, I love that one uh, you've seen her on Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival and Las Vegas 420 Cannabis Comedy Festival uh, in 2021 and she is one of the newest contributors to the Comedy Wham writing team, so we're super excited, and we're super excited to have uh, her introduced to our audience. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Holly Johnston. Hello. Hi, welcome. Thank you. You did your homework. Wow. I did. I do annoying amounts of research. No, that's great. I appreciate it. <laughs> and then I trap it all in random places, and you know, I might see you a year or two from now, and I'll say, remember when we talked about the Lego <laughs> roast <laughs> yeah uh it's so funny and i can't wait to get into the the whole uh roast roasting because uh you know I, i've watched some of your sets that you've posted on youtube and i've even i mean even watching the roast it's like okay we've got to figure out where this comes from yeah. <laughs> and layer that on top and i didn't talk about it but i researched it it's on your homepage that you were you majored in psychology. Yeah. So it's like, okay, she's figured out how to roast people, really get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Holly, uh, I always start with an icebreaker question, and that is one word to describe your past. One word to describe my past. Um, oh, one word. I was, oh, I'm going to think about this for a second. <laughs> sure. Um, oh. One word to describe my past. Um, I'm going to say spontaneous. Ooh. Because I've done a lot of, like, different things throughout my life that don't necessarily all, like, go together. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, I'm definitely, I'm like the type of person that like, I'll say some, I, I'll say I want to do something, and my biggest pet peeve is when I talk people's ears off about how I want to do something and uh-huh. then don't do it. Oh. So I'm very much like, if you hear me talking about this, expect that in the next couple of months I'm going to do it. Ah, wow, wow. Um, when you were growing up, you grew up in the Boston area? or So I grew up in a suburb outside of... Um, uh, roughly about 50 minutes away from Boston, okay. so almost an hour away from Boston. Um, I grew up near uh, near Framingham and Worcester. Where I was mm. probably closer to those cities uh-huh. in Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I grew up in kind of like the, well, it was like a suburban, uh, very uh, small town feel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind yeah. of, uh, that kind of vibe. Did the comedy play a role in your life growing up? Yeah, so growing up, my dad was actually a stand-up comedian. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. That doesn't happen very often that I talk to somebody who's got family. Yeah, no, my dad was always the funny one. He was always the one that would come home with, like, funny stories, like, from his business trips, and, like, um, he was always making everybody laugh, Uh very creative, always wanting to do, um, you know, kind of getting me and my brother to do creative stuff, like, when we went on road trips, instead of, you know, we didn't have, like, the car TVs, we did improv games. My dad would be like, oh, we're gonna you know, we're going to do this game where you have to, uh, you have to interview somebody. You just published a book and we would just make it so silly and goofy. Those are like some of my best memories of just like how goofy my whole family could be and how, um, my dad really like encouraged that, like that creativity and that silliness. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Cause I'd like to think that as a parent, I try to encourage the silly yeah. in, in my child because it's important. Life's stressful enough. Be silly. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, like, he was just always the type of dad that was very, um, he was very in our lives. Like, both my parents were very in our lives. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, you know, my dad was, like, the the type of dad that, like, other kids would see and start to, like, gravitate towards <laughs> when we would go camping and stuff because uh-huh. they're like, oh, this guy's you know, playing soccer, and, you know, he was, like, everybody's father figure, like, Uh my brother had friends who, like, you know, would be more, um, you know, they would, they would always, like, we had, like, my brother had a few friends, and we joked that they were only friends with my brother, because they they wanted to hang out with my dad, (laughs) like, he was very much, like, and my mom, um, I would say my sense of humor also comes from my mom, but I think that's where I get the roast, the bluntness the brutal honesty like the let's get real here type at it like my mom is very much cut to the chase you know there's no let's not beat around the bush like that's kind of her style um yeah she grew she's an italian american Ah. so she grew up you know with that kind of rough tough love Mm -hmm. um so i think that's kind of a blend of where my sense of humor comes from with with that like that that wit is from more like my dad's Mm -hmm. side and the creativity and then my mom's side is like the the uh, the honesty (laughs) brutal brutal honesty yeah yeah um that's actually one of the you know you talking about your dad I just keep thinking about your opener in that kill Tony episode about you know well where's dad gonna sleep yeah such a great joke (laughs) thank you joke (laughs) um okay so I'm curious 
you, you talked about your dad was a stand-up comic. You also mentioned that he, he would take business trips. Was he like a full-time stand-up comic, or is it just one of those things where he enjoyed doing it on the side from his work? Uh, so it was very much a hobby mm-hmm. when he was younger. Um, so by the time he had probably reached like his 30s, I think, was he had uh, kind of stopped doing ah, it. Okay. Um, you know, it was something that he, he wanted to be an actor when he was younger. So he took a lot of like, I think he took some acting classes, some mm-hmm. like modeling class, like he was very much like he wants to be in the entertainment industry. And then, um, you know, he did stand up and, but then once he got like a real job and was making like a real living and he had a family, you know, he had us, he, uh, he told me that he sort of like, it stopped making sense mm-hmm. to, to, he never really fully pursued it, um, like as like a as like a real career, and that's what he'll tell me is like um, he's like, yeah, you've already taken it so much further than I have, you huh. know. Like I would do a few shows a month, but I didn't do like mics every night, and I didn't tour, and I didn't go to like places. Not saying I tour, but like I don't like go to different cities sure. for it. So he kind of stayed in the Boston area. Um, so yeah, it it became more of a more of a hobby, I think. Yeah, because I I guess you'd have to be kind of careful as a parent. Like if you had this dream in your twenties and you had to set it aside because it didn't make sense, and you see a child pursuing it, like push them, push them, push them because it it was your dream and you want them to to live the dream versus you know, the respectful encouragement and, and praise. Yeah, uh, I would, I don't think my parents, like, push me to pursue it. They definitely support it, though, which I'm very lucky yeah. to have that because a lot of people will talk about how they're very much discouraged from being, yeah. you know, or they're told, like, oh, get a real job. Like, yeah. I feel like I kind of slid under the... Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I feel like I feel like I didn't have to go through that because um, my dad kind of gets it, you know, because mm-hmm. he went through this. He yeah, yeah. and my brother's a musician, so both oh. of his kids are, you know, <laughs> taking the these crazy yeah. art. Pe- and I could tell sometimes it it's frustrating, you know. I think deep down, my dad's just like, just kind of get a real job, start, you know, making some money. But um, but I think he understands like. I think he gets it. Yeah. But you didn't pursue it uh, initially, or maybe you did. Let's, let's, let's talk about Holly now and stop talking. I understand your brother's friends now. They just want to talk to and uh, about your dad and hang <laughs> out with your dad. But let's talk about Holly. Um, you went to college. Yeah. And you pursued a psychology degree, got the psychology degree. Was stand-up percolating at any point in, in this so I had actually done stand up before I went to college. Oh gosh! Once, so um, my I'd always been kind of like I had a group of friends that kind of knew that I was funny. That I would make them, la- I'd have them in tears laughing. I would make up characters. I would vent about stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I was that friend. And for the rest of the people, like no one else, like I wasn't that well known. I was kind of an average kid. I wasn't. I wasn't like a. I wasn't like totally like excluded or isolated I kind of had my I was kind of that kid that bounced between groups Mm. but never really belonged to like a clique Mm -hmm. um I could get along with like a lot of people um but 
Yeah, so my senior talent show, they had a they had a talent show for all the um for the graduating class and I kept having like this feeling that I really wanted to try stand up comedy and do it for the first time in the talent show. So I told my dad, I said I re- I really want to write some stand up for this talent show. And he got so excited. Uh, and he pulled out this book, uh, Judy Carter's Comedy oh. Bible from the 90s. And yeah. he's like so excited that, you know, we had this thing to bond over. And he's like, let's write a let's write a premise and let's write a, you know, he was, you know. And uh, and I wrote a bunch of jokes about um, my teachers, people I that weren't nice to me. Just, <gasps> the beginning of the roast? I would say that was honestly my first roast battle. If wow. I had to, I said some stuff that like, I don't know how I got away with it because I was graduating. Like, you know, what uh, are they going to do? Kick me. Right. I mean, I didn't, it was clean. Like there was not, uh, <laughs> there, was, there was some stuff that was a little dark that I look back and I'm like, yeah, I probably wouldn't say that again. Um, you know, I didn't, truly know how to form it was like my first ever set and like I was talking about how I like failed driver's ed and how like this girl made fun of me like you know all this stuff and um and it was the first time anybody had really seen me do that so uh I got like a standing ovate like people Holly it was probably the most important and only memory I have of high school (laughs) like it was just so like whoa what is this and then um and people will still bring it up you know like I still am friends with classmates and stuff who like um they'll message me and be like oh wow you're you know you're doing stand-up and like I've definitely like um I remember like talking to classmates and stuff like a couple I think when we were in college and we'd go home for the holidays or whatever and I would see people and they'd be like remember when you do stand up and that like it's that wow and I wish I had the tape I, I was can't say, find you're it young enough that it's got to be recorded it's recorded somewhere oh, but um yeah I, I have no idea where that tape is but that was really the beginning of my my stand up career wow <laughs> that just that feeling of like whoa everyone's you know, like all these things that are like painful for me or embarrassing for me, and now I'm everybody's standing up and mm-hmm. cl- like in the popular kid. I'm making the popular kids laugh. Like it was just like <laughs> this super power. Like it sounds so dorky yeah. to say superpower, but like it was just this moment of like whoa, and like you know, and I was so nervous to do it. And when people announced that I was doing it, people were so confused because I was kind of like a quiet kid. Yeah. So they're like, and now Holly's going to be doing some stand up, And everyone's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like, like it was, I just, and I brought up my little cards and I was just like, I can't imagine how He's bad my delivery team. must have been, but <laughs> oh God, it really, um, that's your superpower, Holly, is like just being kind of this low-key, you know, sneak in and then just, you know, the writing gift that you have from those games playing in the car with yeah. your dad and your dad helping you. Gosh, that that uh, Judy Carter, she's still kicking. Yeah. As like a teacher and yeah. Yeah, I actually, uh, she came out with a new book. It's like a like a modernized uh-huh. version of the one from the 90s. And I gave my dad that as a as a Christmas gift because you know he had introduced me to the first one. I yeah. said, you know, like oh now it's now it's your turn to write stand so up cute. again. And like 
it was a i don't expect to talk this much about my dad on this podcast. i'm sorry it keeps going back to dad i don't know why i mean shout out <laughs> um so okay so your first stand-up set standing ovation in high school did you do it again in college did not necessarily in that setting obviously but and where did you go to college because were you even anywhere near where you could perform so i went to hofstra university i was 45 minutes oh no 25 minutes away from New York City, did not do one open mic in New York. And to this day, I was like, I had a free, I had free, I had room and board. I could have just gone to, taken the train in every single weekend and gone to do stay, like, and I never did because, you know, I was so focused on, you know, being in college. I joined a sorority. I did the, um... Uh, I was just like really busy with like, I was convinced that I was going to be a neuroscience researcher. <laughs> That's what I thought I'd be doing wow. with my life. <laughs> um, but I always kind of kept that creative muscle uh, flexed. I took a lot of um, TV writing classes and like screenwriting classes. So I wrote, um, I wrote some screenplays. I did like a, um, a spec script for, uh, for Family Guy. Uh-huh. And that was kind of like, uh, it, it was like kind of stand up adjacent because it was mm-hmm. you know I'm writing jokes and the whole class is reading it and you know responding to it. Um, yeah, what else was? Oh yeah, but I did. Um, my sorority kind of knew that I was funny, um, so every year they did this like sorority awards thing, and I would always get secret comedian. That was my <laughs> award because I would say things under my breath. <laughs> that like one person would hear and be like oh my god can you say that louder like I would just quietly make jokes so it's like you had to be really paying attention um I'm so glad that you're you're young and I don't mean to keep going back to this either that like those are that's the universe sending you messages yeah yeah and I also noticed that, like, I was always kind of the comic relief, like, when something really stressful was happening. Like, I took this, like, biology class, and I was always, like, just talking about these, like, just sharing these ridiculous stories about my weekend with, like, my, <laughs> my like, uh, classmate. Like, I had this this friend group, and we would, like, study together, and I would just be like, oh, you're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> and they would just be laughing so hard. And it was like, you know, and they were just so... Like, people in, in those types of classes are just so, just one-track mind, like, mm-hmm. very focused on, like, what grades they're getting and what, uh, everything is just dedicated to that, to to getting that, that high score and what they're doing after, like, it's Everything's so competitive. Yeah. And I just realized right away that I'm not this person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care this much about, <laughs> like you know, like dissecting a fetal pig and knowing all the arteries. Like I just, I was like, I am not this. Like, but I would always, yeah, I would always make everybody laugh. And my, I had a roommate in college who I'm still like best friends with. Um, that one, like when I would get really stressful, I would always like, uh, I would always like make her laugh just like goofy. We would just make up goofy stuff. And for some reason this is coming to my mind, so I guess I have to share it. But uh, I would do this thing, I would call it the chair song. And it would just be, we had this like wobbly desk chair in our dorm and it would just be, (laughs) I can't believe I'm sharing this, but it would just, this is going really deep into the files here, the archives. But it would just be like, 
me in this chair and I was just <laughs> making a beat out of it because it like would kind of like make like a rocking sound uh-huh. and then I would just like start rambling off everything that was stressing me out <laughs> like oh and I have three finals <laughs> and like and we would crack each other up and like it became a thing where it's like oh is it is it a good night for a chair song <laughs> like just all that like that's what I love about college just all that like that's like, all that other stuff turns out to not have mattered. Like, what grade I got in biology and how, mm. you know, whether or not I passed this exam. And it was all the stuff on, like, dealing with stress and dealing with how do you deal with, like, you know, something negative happening. And, like, how do you process, like, you know, that's really what I got out of college yeah. when I think about it is, like, learning how I deal with the stress yeah. and stuff. Since you you had kind of that natural gift for being funny and silly and breaking tension, did you, when you graduated and you have an official psychology degree, right? Mm-hmm. That's your yeah. that was your major. Did did you find having that those kind? Okay, I'm a I was a wannabe psychology major. I, I went through like two years of psychology classes, and I found them very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that laid a foundation for why I love this podcast, because I love to kind of dig into and, you know, figure out what makes people work. Did you find that that was like a really natural complement to your silliness and your your sense of humor? Um, I don't know. I was always just like fascinated by the brain. Mm. Like I always, I still am. Like I listen to like neuroscience podcast I'm such a, like a science nerd I just love I love like explaining things in terms of like neurotransmitters I don't know it oh, just wow. just does something for me <laughs> just like I don't know why I it's kind of just like um I'm just like very much a person that when I get into something I dive in with two feet yeah. like I get very into it and I'm like this is me now this is the new yeah. me and I feel like um, I kind of did the same thing that I'd done with stand-up with psychology where I was like obsessed with it and I was reading books on the brain and just, you know, I was very, um, I just get very passionate about things. Sure, yeah. Um, whether or not it complemented my sense of humor, I don't know. Um, I think what I've learned to do, I think what, have, what has helped me is like I've learned how to do research, so that kind of helps with like... Mm. I don't know, with, like, roast battles and stuff. I guess, like, thorough research. Yeah. But I don't know if they're really, like, that connected. Yeah. Um, Because I don't really feel like I, like, psychoanalyze people or... I don't know. I don't know. That's something I still haven't figured out, I guess. Because one of the things that I found... This is pre-pandemic. Roast battle would sometimes come through Austin. And they would pair, like, best friend comics... To mm-hmm. roast each other, and they were just so biting and incisive, and you knew it was because they knew each other. Yeah, like they knew what each other's pain points yeah. were. And I don't know enough about like this this roast battle uh, championship that went on last fall to know if the pairings were intentional like that too, or if they were more random. I've definitely roasted people that I've like known nothing about, and roasted people that I was really good friends with. Yeah. Um, and there is definitely is that f- more fun energy when you like know the person yeah. and you know like but also like I always ask them like is there anything mm. off limits because sometimes people share stuff yeah you know and they don't want that broadcasted to the sure. whole 
audience. So, um, yeah, the way we do it is, like, we send each other a list of um, flaws, uh, embarrassing moments, just anything that we were, were ready to laugh at, essentially. Uh-huh. Like, hey, this is me, I'm this, uh, this happened to me. Just anything that you're like, this is fair game, uh-huh. you send them in a list. Um, and anything you don't want them to bring up, just kind of be like, hey, listen, I'm not ready to make a joke about that. I'm not ready for this joke sure. or whatever. Okay. Well, I've, I've went way fast forward, but I need to go back because I want to know what did Holly do after she graduated from college? Okay. Um, and what year was that? Because your start in comedy is really, really close to COVID. <laughs> yeah. So I graduated college in uh, June of 2019. Oh, so, okay. yeah, <laughs> right before the world show. I was in New York. I was supposed to move to New York. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to get this job as a, um, I'd interviewed for a job as a uh, research assistant at this, like, I forget. It was at a, I think it was at a university. It was in like studying like epilepsy or something. I was going to get an RA job in New York, ended up not getting that job, not getting the apartment in the same day. So I was like, cool, I'm going home. (laughs) So I went home. I uh, was very stubborn about it. I went home kicking and screaming. I didn't want to move back in with my parents. Um, And when I did move back in with my parents, I got a job as a research assistant working with people with, um, it was a Alzheimer's dementia research study. Mm -hmm. So I got a job in my field and then I started doing open mics that summer after graduation. Cause, um, I had gone on this, like I went on a music festival road trip Mm. with some friends from college and I was just the whole week just making them laugh and, you know, being myself. Uh And they were like, encouraging me like oh you really and I was like I'm thinking about doing an open mic and they were like you gotta do it like you know after this weekend like I totally you know they were giving me a lot of support and one of them actually came to watch my first open mic um he like he had lived in the area or whatever so he came to watch it shout out Tommy I don't know (laughs) we don't like know each other that well anymore but thanks for coming to my open mic um was it in, in your, your hometown, or was it in Boston? It was or? in uh, Jamaica Plain, which is no a part happened. of Boston, ah, okay. at this like hipster bar um, called Midway Cafe. And uh, you had, yeah, it was a lottery system, so you had yeah. to put your name in the, the bucket. And yeah, that was, that was my first open mic, and it went really well. Um, and then the ones after that were, you know, ex- what you'd expect for sure. an open yeah. mic. How did you go into it preparing it? Because you're used to a lifetime of just making your friends laugh off the cuff without any preparation, just the material that your environment is, is handing you. Uh, well, I think it's also worth mentioning that I've always been a writer. Mm. Um, so, like, yeah, I make my friends laugh off the cuff, but I've also, like, written, like, vacate I would write these vacation journals when like my family would travel and it was just all the things that like I had been observing the whole time Uh during like I remember this one time where um we went my family went to um I think we went to the no we went to it was I think it was Aruba yeah we went to Aruba and I my parents didn't know that the whole week I'd just been documenting the trip and then on the flight back Uh I read it out loud, which, looking back, so annoying. 
to everybody around me. Like, just, oh, no, shut this kid up. No, no respect for it. Was like, like it was a night flight too. Like these oh, poor people. God. Like, yeah, oh. I didn't have that awareness back then. Um, looking back, not a great thing. But I remember reading this thing aloud, and my parents were just in tears laughing, you know, because they were just, I was basically just making fun of everything that happened, Mm. and um, a lot of it was like, ah, dad got drunk and passed out on the beat, like, just, like, embarrassing things, Uh and I'm just reading it out loud on a plane, and yeah, so I was always, like, writing stuff, I would always write stuff that that was funny, Uh and kind of go off the off the cuff so i guess i had always done both um yeah so it wasn't so did you walk in with like written jokes oh yeah i yeah. rehearse i this is the most preparation i'll ever do for an open mic <laughs> i like i like wrote a set like weeks in advance and like would record myself doing the set uh-huh. and like um you know had my little set list I wonder if I still have that set list I'm sure I do I keep everything I'm a hoarder um yeah so I would just uh I bet I still have the recordings of like me in my room trying to rehearse my set uh my first ever opener was uh was I have a BA in psychology it stands for barely anything which is the type of job I'm gonna get it was something so dumb and yeah, but uh, yeah, it ended up going really well, and I was like, you know, that feeling when you first, you know, do the first open mic, and I had adrenaline, I was like, I just yeah. want to keep doing this, yeah, and then I um, and then I met a, a fellow comedian slash YouTuber <laughs> um, and started dating him, and then we dated for like two years, so that was like oh, wow. the foundation of like... My career had just started in comedy, and my relationship had just started. So, um, so hmm. yeah, wasn't such a bad thing to go home after all. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. No. Okay, so 2019, and then 2020. Where where do you feel you're at when everything shut down? Okay, so when everything shut down, I was like six months into comedy. Um, hated my day job. Hmm. I just hated going into an office. I hated the environment. Um, so yeah, when everything shut down, I was, um, yeah, I was pretty, uh, restless and like upset that I wasn't going to be able to go out and do mics. Um, but I ended up overcompensating more than I feel like some people did during the pandemic. Cause I was so determined that, um, to, to keep my pace, to not lose my momentum Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. So I did a lot of like, what I like really looking back, I'm really happy I did all this. I forced myself to write every day. Like Mm. I was like, no, I'm going to write. I'm going to listen to my sets. I'm going to find stage time wherever I can, even if it's in like a backyard in two and a half hours away. Like I would go wherever there was, there was stage time. And I did, uh, I did a lot of sketch comedy with, yeah. um, with the person I was dating because we would write comedy sketches together. So that kind of flexed the, the stand-up yeah. muscle. Um, yeah, and I would, I would write down all of like, the topics that I wanted to expand on or work on, and I would put them on 
uh, flashcards and I would draw a couple a day and be like, okay, these topics, this is what I'm going to write about today. And I would force myself to, I was very like, I had to have that structure because if I didn't, I would go insane. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, what is that? Uh, is it the method? Like there's this, this whole like uh, culture not, or yeah, it's kind of a culture, but it was, there's, there's this book and there's this, uh, it's all premised on you have to practice your art form every single day. And there's a whole workbook for doing that. And it sounds very much like you forced that upon yourself. Yeah, I forced myself. I took stand-up online classes. Mm. I took like a virtual class with this guy in Boston. Um, what was his name? Oof. I can't Clearly remember. Clearly an impression was made. <laughs> oh, no. He, uh, he helped me a lot with like those first, you know, getting started and yeah. stuff. I think his name was Jay. Um it's it, I, I'm picturing him I, I remember him but um yeah I'm just like a very uh I'm a very stubborn person so like I was just so angry about the pandemic obviously that's not that crazy but yeah. I was just like this is not going to take away from yeah. my progress and um yeah I wrote I wrote a lot of stuff during the pandemic and just like overcompensated any way I could I did mm-hmm. zoom mics which ugh <laughs> those are awful yeah I hated them so much um and then there was kind of like comedy speakeasies at one point where it's like you know bars that weren't supposed to be open were having a couple of selected comics Mm. giving them you know heads up 7 p.m you might want to swing by you know that kind of as the pandemic went on obviously not in the beginning but yeah huh okay all right. Well, um, we're at about the midway point, so I think this is a good spot to do our, our card game, and then we will pick up with what got you to Austin. Okay. So pick a card, and I'll read it off. Oh, or you'll read it. Oh. Should I read it? <laughs> well, sure. You can read it, and then you'll answer it. Okay. A decision someone else made that affected my whole life. Ooh. Ooh what a good question. Decision someone else made that affected my whole life. Hmm. Decision someone else made. I mean, I can think of a couple. I don't know if I'd say whole life. Um, that's a good question. There's a <laughs> lot of... <laughs> it's a very loaded question. Um, decision someone else made... I want to say my parents divorced, but I feel like that's hmm. that only happened later in life. So I don't know if I'd say that affected my whole life. Yeah. Um. A decision someone else made. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh. let's see. Um, been through a few breakups. Mm. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that is a tough one, because I'm trying to think, how would I answer that? Decision someone else made that affected my whole life. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I could say, going back to my dad. Um, <laughs> oh, dad. I guess I could say that like my dad's decision to not pursue stand-up um, to have like a stable job and like, you know, so that we have like you know supportive 
for like the family. Yeah. I guess I could say that. Um, but I don't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> decisions someone else had affected my whole life. I don't know. I guess just like the choices my parents made because, you know, if it wasn't for them making good decisions about their lives and giving us good childhoods yeah. and giving us stable upbringings, then like I couldn't have gone to college, gone to pursue liberal arts and, you know, all this stuff that I extracurricular, jeez, yeah. <laughs> extracurricular, <laughs> I had too much coffee today, <laughs> activities. So I think like, yeah, I think the way they lived their lives, I couldn't have had all the opportunities that yeah. I would have. Yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be read as a, a negative thing because that's where I finally settled on, on an answer was a negative. And I'm like, no, because it sounds like in your case, like I'm just, I just go back to the road trips. If you're playing these imp, silly improv games, you know, nurturing that has affected yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Should we do question two? Sure. Okay. I'll just, oh, God, this is so easy. At a party, you'll find me. Okay, at a party, um, let's see, probably, I'm not, like, a big, like, I'm not, I'm outgoing in a way, mm -hmm. but I'm not, like, the, the very extroverted person who's, you know, throwing the dance party yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. I'm a terrible dancer. Uh, <laughs> no rhythm. But, um, I'll be the person, if there's, like, a fire, like, if there's, like, you know, the inside of the party where everyone's kind of, like, mm -hmm. more energized and then there's kind of like that little hangout section where it's like everyone's kind of hanging out by like the fire on the patio that's uh -huh. where i'll be yeah. i'll be out there just talk i like when you can have conversations yeah. during a party i don't like when it's all just noise and right. it's all you know loud music and um i'm definitely the person that like you know because i like i like getting to talk to people that i wouldn't normally get the chance to talk mm. to um like my roommate uh, she threw some great parties at our house. Um, shout out Mimi Meyer. Uh, <laughs> she, like, unbelievable host. We had these, like, great Halloween parties and birthday parties. And I always, like, loved how we had, like, we had the backyard with the patio and the fire going as, like, party spot A. And then the inside with, like, you know, the somebody DJed and had the dance party and all that going on. Yeah. That was, like, party B. So you could kind of switch between... <laughs> both of them and I liked that because I uh you know I got to know a lot of different people at those parties yeah. and that was a good bonding experience cool all right well for me it'll be wherever the cats or dogs are that's where you'll find me at a party because <laughs> I don't know I it, I love talking to people one-on-one -on -one and I would do that at a party try to find somebody and see if I if I can make a one-on-one -on -one connection with them but the I'm terrible at like the social socialization in groups. I'm just awful. I'm an observer. Yeah, I will sit in a corner and happily observe like the dynamics. It goes back to my my junkie days as a psychology major for a brief period of time. I just love watching the psychology people. Oh, he's hitting on her, or she's not into it, or you know these two are just partying it up like crazy people. That's yeah. my thing is I'd love to just observe and people will naturally some, you know, some people will think, Oh my God, you're such a weirdo because you're happier just observing rather than talking to somebody. <laughs> yeah. People that are like that rely on 
other people all the time, they don't get that. Yeah. Like, I get the the fly on the wall thing. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Did okay. you answer the other question? Too? Oh, for me, uh, when I when I thought about that question, a decision that somebody else made that affected my whole life. Um, there's there's not a there's not a whole lot, but I know that there is one thing, and I had a I had a, a I had a joke cause for a, before COVID. I was doing comedy myself, um, and I made a joke about this that when I was in junior high, I tried out for the talented and gifted program, and I didn't make it, and uh, they they didn't do interviews, so the only thing they really could judge by was my last name and so I've always been like bitter about that that I was discriminated against because it was small Texas town all whites no diversity at all in the town and I was always embittered by that and it just made me work that much harder to you know graduate near the top of the class and always do really well in school and excel and I just I ended up writing a joke about how you know it really motivated me to get my revenge, my, my punchline was, it really motivated me to get my revenge, to get a mathematics degree, mm. and that, yeah, it ends on, I will, I will fuck you up with a protractor, it was a really stupid punchline, but I still <laughs> like it, and I love doing that joke, because it, you know, how many jokes do you know that have protractor in I, the punchline? I can't name any Same. right now, off yeah. the top of my head. <laughs> So anyway, that's mine because I, you know, I think my my parents did the best that they could, and I'm here and I'm happy to be here. So, whatever. What uh, what was your your talent that you were trying? Like, if you were in the talented and gifted program, what do you think like you would have been in there for? Um, like, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way. I just thought it was for smart kids, and so I I always internalized it as oh they don't see me as a smart kid. And I don't know that back then, I mean, this is, we're talking about the 80s, what that did, it was all that developed. What did the audition look like? Like, what did you have to try out? I just wrote, wrote an application. Because, I mean, everything was very rudimentary back then. It's a small town. They don't have a formal process. Like, <laughs> I know my kid. I got him into um, the talented and gifted at his school. It doesn't really mean anything because <laughs> he's not in a specific class. He's just taking smart people classes. Yeah. So, I don't know. And when I look at the look at the kids that were in it, I'm like, well, I could have just been the happy nerd. That would have been my my role, the one that really studies hard at everything. Cuz there were kids like that in there. There was a jock, there was a funny kid, but I think I would have just been the the nerd. Mm-hmm. So you feel like if you had gotten in I don't know, do you feel like if you had gotten in, you would have been, like, less motivated? Because you would have just been, like... Maybe, because I would have been like, oh, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm different. I'm better than. As opposed to, oh, I was deemed not better than, so that's going to motivate me. Yeah. It's kind of weird that they do that. It really... Yeah. And, like, what they base it on, too, is, I don't know. Yeah, because for my kid, he had to... He... We did an application, and it just made him eligible to take different classes. Like he because when I was, what they were doing at my school is like you were in, you were basically forced into advanced classes. Whereas now, it's like you have the option to take the advanced classes. 
Yeah. And you're not all tag kids put together in a classroom, you know, from one class to the next. What's so, so. interesting about starting a comedy career is like being away from that, those things mattering. Um, you know, cause I'm in a room full of people. We're all signing up on the same open mic list. Mm-hmm. One of us has a master's degree. One of us never finished high school. One yeah. of us, like, like I'm meeting people that, you know, I wouldn't have met yeah. other, other than doing, you know, doing this. And, yeah. um, and it kind of like, I mean, it does kind of make it seem less important. I mean, there are people that have degrees and then there's you know there's people that don't and it just doesn't have anything to do with where they are in the rankings for as comics you know you see the work ethic and you see all these other the creativity and the drive Mm -hmm. and you you just kind of forget about the rest of it yeah yeah it's a well I can't say it's a level playing field because we no, the more you get into it, yeah, you, you realize that it isn't a level it's playing not, field no. at all. It has its own it has its own biases. <laughs> yes. Like For everything. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about how Holly got from Massachusetts to Austin. Okay. Uh so I had heard about Austin for the first time ever. Mm. In January 2021, because one of my good friends moved out here for comedy, and I was feeling pretty, you know, the the home scene was feeling pretty dull. Nothing was quite opening up the way, you know, we wanted it to. Uh, There was still a lot of things closed, and it was like a sad winter of just (laughs) nothing going on. And I remember I had wanted one of my friends to be on a sketch that I was producing, um, and I had messaged him, and he said, I'm in Texas, I won't be able to make it, and I said, what are you doing in Texas, like, I was like, what, it's <laughs> like, why would you go to, you know, I'd, I'd never been to, te- I was like, why yeah. are you going to Texas, and he's like, I'm in Austin, they have a really good scene right now, mm. um, and he was like, you know, you can get up four to five times a night, there's such and such shows, and I was like reading that and I was like, oh my God, I need to go here. Uh-huh. So I had booked myself a trip to Austin in February. Um, my original trip was the week the freeze happened. Oh God. So I was like, oh, I'm geez. so excited to go to Austin. You know, I was ready. And then I get the email that all the hotels are shutting down and my flights. And I was so sad. Oh, I was like, gosh. I was like you know, calling the hotels, like, well, is there any way, like, you'll be open in, like, a couple of days, like, I don't know, right now we're boiling water, like, it was not looking good, (laughs) and I was, like, looking, and I was, like, of all the weeks I picked, like, um, so I was supposed to go that week, um, and I wanted my boyfriend at the time to go with me, we were both gonna go, Mm -hmm. and then slowly, uh, eventually, like, we started realizing that we were going down different paths. Like he wasn't as motivated to go to Austin as I was. He didn't really want to, to move. Mm. And, um, so, you know, eventually, so I rebooked the trip for April. Um, and then we broke up about two weeks before that he Mm. broke up with me, but it was very, um, What's the word I'm looking for? It was like a very friendly breakup. It mm. was very mutual. It wasn't like this like blindsided like oh my god type yeah. thing. Like I kind of knew it was going to happen if our lives, you know, I kind of could sense that our lives were yeah. going different directions. Um 
you know, and then he was the one to, to do it, which, you know, I felt better because I didn't have to. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, I would say it's a more mutual breakup that I've been through. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so then I booked a trip to Austin. I went to Austin, loved it. Um, you know, all this crazy stuff happened. I met Joe Rogan. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was like, well, this place is crazy. Um, and then I, uh, then I moved here in June of 2021. So okay. a couple of months went by where I was like trying to move here and then trying to find a place, you know, the whole transitionary period, yeah. quit my job. Um, yeah, so then I really moved here because um, because I knew the scene was picking up and I liked, you know, I liked the way it felt when I was here and, yeah. you know, it really felt like this was where, this was the next move. Um, if I really wanted to get serious about comedy, this seemed like a good place to be. Uh, and then two weeks after I moved here was when I got on Kill Tony. Oh my gosh. So it all happened like really fast. <sighs> that summer... Uh, will probably for like be like a summer I like don't forget for a long time. Yeah. It was very. There was this like energy of like we're all moving down here. Mm-hmm. We're all we've all been like you know this is the first like summer where everything's like really open. It's like f- the freedom and like the excitement of being in a new place and with meeting new people. Like we had so much fun that summer. Yeah. Like that was I still. Yeah, I still think a lot about that summer yeah. and like how <laughs> cool it was and how cool everything felt. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, I, I remember watching the clip of your Kill Tony appearance and just seeing him draw out all the names because he was trying to find a female comic. Yeah, the and, odds. Yeah, and then you know, it almost looked like he was. Well, there was a female comic he originally drew that didn't wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's drawing all these male names and then to land you and then it, just to have such a good, yeah. you know, showing when you did your, your jokes. It was, yeah, I rewatched it um, a little while ago and I just remembered like, oh yeah, they called like, he had called like three other women's names that all just happened mm. to not be there. It was the craziest circumstance yeah. for me to get on and it was just like... It was incredible. And then I got to do the secret show. Yeah. I got offered that in like, I just remember like, like, and I, that day I had been feeling like confused, you know, oh. like, did I make the right choice in leaving <laughs> uh-huh. Boston for, to come here? Yeah. And, you know, and then it sort of all just like came together and I was just like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is like, this is something I could have never experienced had I not yeah. left. Yeah. What are some of the projects that you're working on? these days because it seems like you've got a lot of varied interests besides stand-up you've written sketches before and you've written screenplays you know they might have been for class but I mean you you obviously have a a writer's bent but -hmm. are there other projects that you're working on um I mean I've been pretty uh pretty focused on stand-up uh i've done some content writing i was writing for a lifestyle blog uh on and off yeah um that kind of stuff i do want to get back into screenwriting because i do miss like creating characters and like sketches were like very fun to make yeah um and i i really want to get back into that but right now for the most part i've just been writing stand-up uh yeah i haven't really written anything that like significant yeah. <laughs> since that 
when you were going through the roast battle, um, were you surprised at how far you went? Or did you always know that you had kind of that lethal touch? <laughs> so I had done a few Zoom roast battles huh. back home, and I really enjoyed those. So, um, yeah, my first time being put on a roast battle here, I... Um, I did like pretty well and then my second roast battle I like really um I really did like I remember I was like sitting I woke up uh the morning of the roast battle and I'd already done some research at this at uh-huh. this point I'd already researched the person and like wrote some things about them it wasn't like it was my first time um doing anything yeah. but I remember I woke up and I said, if you don't sit down and write all day, you're going to fail at this. Oh like, my you're, gosh. like you're so I, hard on yourself. I put this like, well, it was true. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you have all this information about the person, but you don't have any, you haven't oh. connected the dots yet. And I did. I sat in a coffee shop and I just went through and just whatever, it just did a bunch of just Google searches. Of, oh, does he look like this guy? And, you know, uh. I just figured out, um, you know, and I just kind of learned how to write under pressure like that. Um, and I was really nervous about it because I didn't know like how the audience was going to respond. Yeah. And the response was like, you know, they went really well. And like, I really like that feeling of being like, oh, I don't even know if this is good. And then you go on stage <laughs> and then it crushes. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, and then it gets like a really good reaction. Uh-huh. And it's like, it just makes you rethink, like, oh, am I just not confident about, like, mm. you know, like, I was like, you know, because I was like, yeah, this is probably decent, and then the audience is like, oh, we, lo-, you know, it, <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, I guess I'm not giving myself enough credit for. But they love, I, they must love the idea of a soft-spoken uh, woman who's telling it like it is and saying, you know, this is what's. I can't think of a better way to say it, but this is what's shitty about this other person. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a a bias of like, oh, of course she's going to win because the audience is going to take her side, you know. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's something that I kind of have to, um, I mean, acknowledge. Like, yeah, there probably is a degree of like, it's a play on character of like what I look like and what yeah. I sound like. Um, that def- it definitely gives me an advantage. Like I can't, you know, I can't deny that I have that advantage being yeah. like, oh, this tiny little girl <laughs> saying these things. Like it definitely like, uh, yeah. it definitely works in my favor, but I've also, I also put a lot of work into it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't really use it as a crutch. You know, I, I know that it's going to, that's why I like wearing like little cutesy outfits too, like <laughs> like wearing my little my little flower romper and then saying it because I think it's even funnier like that. Um, did did uh, did becoming the roast champion open new doors for you? I think that's honestly the most important thing that's happened since I've been in Austin is discovering that niche of of the roast battle. Uh-huh. I think that's really. Um, where people started to kind of, um, where I started getting a reputation as a good comedy writer was people seeing me on roast battle. Um, so I really think that's given me like the best, um, opportunities I've had here is from doing that. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this, but when you're recognized for your writing skills, there's two coasts 
in the country that tend to like good writing skills. <laughs> New York and LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually did a roast battle in New York um, cool. in October and they go way harder. You know, here we have, here we have like, you do five jokes, you know, in New York, it, they're like, all right, you're going to write 13 jokes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they do them like, they have three rounds. The first round is like back to back. You do a joke, they do a joke. The s- there's a second round where it's like rapid fire and you just go joke, 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 huh. joke, joke. Then they do the same thing. Um, and I forget what the third round was, but it was hard. Wow. It was really, it was really challenging. Uh, um, but yeah. you got pu- pushed into a different, you know, skill. Oh yeah. No, I spent a lot of time on those jokes cause, um, yeah, it was, uh, I won, but I mean, if you listen to the tape, it's like, did I win? <laughs> like, cause there were some jokes where the audience was just not uh, into it. I had a few good pops and then the rest of them were kind of, there was a lot of, there was a lot of that, um, you know, falling flat, but that's, uh, that's what New York is. It's leveling, it's a level yeah. up. It's, this is going to be scary, but mm-hmm. you know what? Let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you're excited about working on in the next, I don't know, few months? Um, so uh, there's most likely, I don't know if I, should I officially, I don't know if I can officially <laughs> announce it. I think I can. Um, I'm most likely going to be in the roast battle at South by Southwest <gasps> this year. That's amazing. Which I'm, that's probably like the thing I'm the most excited about. Um, I think by the time this comes out, that may already, that may be, you know, public information possibly. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's private. Um, I mean, I definitely got asked to do it. So, you know, uh, I haven't like officially been given like an opponent or anything yet, but, uh, hopefully that'll be coming up soon so I can start, um, you know, preparing because I definitely want to give myself a lot of time to prepare for this. I have seen uh, roast battles at South by Southwest because they used to have this group, and I don't know if you've studied like the whole history of the roast battles, but they have the wave. They used to have the wave, and it was it used to be um, Jamar, Jeremiah Watkins, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they would like in between the roasts they would like do these little mini sketches. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they were wild, but I, I think. I don't think they do the wave anymore in, in between the roast battles, but I remember them being crazy at South by. Mm. So yeah, it's a fun time. No, that sounds, that sounds yeah. cool. Well, congratulations. That's pretty exciting. Thank you. Anything, any other projects? Um, cooking. I mean, what month is it? It's February. So I mean, mostly just doing, you know, just doing shows, getting established. Uh, I really want to go out to Chicago at some point this year, do a trip out there. Um, I submitted for the Boston Comedy Festival. I don't know. I haven't heard back yet, Mm. so uh, so I don't know if um, if I'll be doing that. But other than that, there's not really just, you know, just doing whatever I can every day to get stage time and get more experience and, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, we covered a lot about my life. Uh, anything else we need to know about your dad? <laughs> no, I don't know why he came up so much. Uh, just, 
I don't know. I guess those deep, those deep seated <laughs> childhood memories. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've uh, I've been here for about two years now, and I've learned a lot about what it takes to be a comedian. I've I've seen the uh, like the highs and lows of uh, yeah. experience the highs and lows of like, oh, this is what it's like to to actually sacrifice something for this rather than just be like oh i live at home and i have a day job and i can just do this at night where this is like oh no th- i'm in it now mm-hmm. like this is you know i'm here for just this yeah um so i definitely experienced a lot of that i've had a lot of um just worked the craziest jobs <laughs> just to, in order to be able to be here and do yeah, this right um but yeah i've definitely learned like a lot about uh you know comedy and the lifestyle and the art form and the craft Mm -hmm. since moving here and you know i'm always gonna take that with me whenever i go next cool all All right right. well i have a closing question for you okay one word to describe your future um one word to describe my future i'm gonna say gonna be positive and say uh hmm there's a word i'm looking for and i can't think of it uh i want to say vibrant i don't know why but i want to say vibrant i want to say like has a lot of energy and i don't know like like there's good things good vibes i don't know (laughs) i think i like it yeah I want to say that. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for helping us out with the, the articles, too. Appreciate uh, having people to help. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's a I, lot of work. <laughs> I really like, I like writing them. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. I've gotten to, like, learn about different parts of the scene and different yeah. people, and I enjoy it. So yeah. uh, thanks for having me as a writer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Presents Holly Johnston. Tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know uh, the upcoming projects. Okay, uh, you can find me on Instagram at holly.johnston underscore. <laughs> Holly Johnston was already taken. Um, YouTube is just my name. Um, it's J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. Some people type in Johnson. Mm. Um, yeah, I have some stuff on there, some roast battle clips, some stand-up clips. Um, I don't. I haven't really broken into the TikTok yet. Um but uh, yeah, and I don't really use Twitter, so mostly yeah, Instagram and um, and uh, YouTube are the two biggest ones I would say. Okay, sounds good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Holly got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham presents Holly Johnston. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Holly. Thank you.